0: Welcome to another episode of Album for the Day with John E. and Jay.
1: As we bring you Season 13 of Album for the Day, we come to you after one year of episodes. We did not have an episode on June the 30th of last year, but Mm -hmm. every other day we did. So, uh, yeah, I just... uh, I think that we've... We've definitely got a hold of something, and knowledge is power, and uh, I have filled my cup this year. (laughs) So we're bringing you uh, a second edition of uh, what we consider our choice cuts, greatest hits, uh, our favorite episodes after one year.
0: After the entire year, going back and looking at everything that we've done was really kind of cool um, learning about a lot of different genres of music people I wouldn't normally listen to um, albums I wouldn't normally listen to
1: you know and it, it, it was just it was really cool to go through that list it was and, an easy way to step outside the box a mm-hmm. little bit yeah and uh, I, I really enjoyed uh, every every episode man yeah. won't say I enjoyed every album. I I think we established that. (laughs) I definitely did not. But these are, again, not necessarily what we would consider the greatest albums that we covered in a year, but our favorite episodes. So enjoy. And June the 29th, we go back to our episode on Big Star, number one record. And we were doing numbers in December and did this one on December 11th. Mm -hmm. Um, I enjoyed... This one, particularly because, learned a lot of stuff um, about the background of a totally underrated band mm-hmm. and probably one of the most underrated albums of all time. Yeah, and the
0: thing that pained me was to see how their record company, which you know, they just they they just didn't promote their record the right way. They you know they, the band really. They had a hard luck with one of the best albums made. I mean, it's it's it really kind of stinks for them. Um, it does. But, but what
1: was cool was seeing like the the camaraderie. Oh yeah, and the, that was on this record. Mm-hmm. It wasn't what I would say is something you would call a characteristic of Big Star in general. Yeah, but this album specifically, and you know the teamwork and the the collaboration and all of that stuff, I just thought, you know, that kind of, that's kind of what we do.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's like, it's, it's, the thing that's a shame is they made such a great record and then it was just kind of like, they were never able to recapture the greatness of what was on that first record. They have other that, I mean, it's, they're a great band and you should definitely check out everything that they've done. But this record has that magic touch on it. And, you know, it's just a shame that it wasn't fully developed so that they're like the biggest, um, you know, they made it, but they didn't make it as big as they should have. So what what would have been if it would have made fire in the very beginning?
1: And I think that's what that's what hurt Alex Chilton the most was mm-hmm. knowing how good it, it was supposed to be, mm-hmm. how good it could be. Mm. And, you know, I think we discussed in the episode how... Um, Somebody said, You most certainly have heard people influenced by Big Star if you haven't heard of them. Mm-hmm. And sad but true. Number one record, man. Mm. It wasn't, but it should have been.
0: Hanging out!
1: In the street. <laughs> Album for the day, December 11th, as we continue with numbers and our advent calendar for y'all. Today we do Big Star with number one record it was recorded in 1972 released August of 1972 on Ardent Records this is the first album from Big Star and it is on the 2020 and only the 2020 Rolling Stone Greatest Albums of All Time list at number 474 which I feel is yet again a gross underestimation
0: tragically low
1: Um, This big star is Chris Bell and Alex Chilton on guitar and vocals, Andy Hummel on bass, guitar, and vocals, and Jody Stevens on drums. The producer is credited to John Fry, the founder of Ardent Records, but John Fry said the polished sound of this album can be attributed to Chris Bell's presence in the studio mixing and engineering. Mhm. Um it was recorded in Memphis.
0: Mhm. I do feel like it is a very crisp album. It is. Um I really really like this album. This is um uh, it's everybody just missed the boat on this band because of Stax Records basically um Stax had a thing where they seriously underprinted I guess would be the right word this album they um they had some distribution problems with it and then um you know when Stax Records got sold to Columbia Columbia then pulled these records out of stores which I mean, and this is such a great record that it's just like I feel like it's just it's tragic that this band wasn't bigger because they deserve it. And this record is so solid. If if anybody has ever heard or ever seen the TV show, that 70s show, um, the opening theme song, which everybody, we're all all right. That kind of went out hanging out that is from this record
1: In the Street is the yeah, name in of the this street. song yeah. and it was the B-side to their first single When My Baby's Beside Me
0: and I feel like this is the biggest what could have been band ever you know like I, 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 I just feel like they got so disrespected and I think that they probably got a little jaded from it because they knew how good re- this record was
1: well and This is the only Big Star album to feature Chris Bell. Mm -hmm. Uh, He left within a few months of the release. Mm -hmm. He struggled with clinical depression for the next six years until his death in a car accident in 1978. Mm -hmm. So this is our one real experience with Big Star Star Mm -hmm. and Chris Bell. Um, Alex Chilton and Chris Bell wrote every song except the India song, uh, which was written by Andy Hummel and My Life is Alright by Chris Bell and Tom Eubanks, who were in the band Rock City together. Um, Alex Chilton and Chris Bell were actually longtime friends. Um, they actually kind of formulated the idea for doing Big Star when they had the Beatles come to town in 1964. Wow. And they both were just like, wow, man, that's... <laughs> I want <it."> to do that. <laughs> like, the Beatles came to Memphis, and wow. that just changed everything for both of them. And so they both, if you look at the um, the songs that they created together, they're all listed as Belle Chilton. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they wanted everything that they did to be like Lennon McCartney. Mm. And um, well, that's just. This is you. the manifestation yeah. of years, literally years. And that doesn't happen all the time, mm-hmm. but it does happen more frequently on people's first offering, yeah. where this is the culmination of years of preparation and amazing that I've known is going on. And all right, let's crank it.
0: Hard work, artistic drive, you know. Creativity, uh, you know, all the things that came through on this album. And And
1: Alex Chilton used to be the singer for the Box Tops, Mm -hmm. and if you've ever heard the letter Mm -hmm. uh, that Joe Cocker made, "My um, Baby, Just Rule Me a Letter," yep, Mm -hmm. Uh, that was Alex Chilton singing the original version of that. Um, Awesome. The song thirteen was described by Rolling Stone as. One of Rock's Most Beautiful Celebrations of Adolescence.
0: I love that song.
1: It's amazing. Yeah. The vocals are by Alex Chilton, and that song is number 396 on the 500 Greatest Songs of All Time from Rolling Stone. Wow. Uh, The song, India Song, since we're talking about all the Beatles and stuff, Mm -hmm. the India Song uh, by Andy Hummel, Mm -hmm. that's the Ringo song here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Ringo it is.
1: meaning that they just threw his song on the album. All right, Andy. You okay. Can have a song. Here we go. But it's yeah, cool. It's I, really cool. The instrumentation is cool. It, it that's not really fair. It's somewhere between a George and a Ringo song because it has the artistic mm-hmm. value of a George song, but the Okay, Andy.
0: Mm-hmm. I really like the song Feel as well. This is what uh, starts the whole album off. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like that was one of the strongest songs on the whole album. Um, I just got a great, you know, like, I feel like this is like that 70s um, Southern rock album that kind of got passed over. I feel like when I was listening to this, this is going to sound really kind of weird. I felt like it was like if if you took T-Rex and gave them and mixed them with Kiss That that's what this album sounded like to me Cause it had like hmm. It had that like Underground kind of rock feel Of T-Rex but it also Had that like over the top You know like I just, I, just, I just had
1: the ballad of El Gudo play in my in my head <laughs> yeah. on, on the left side yeah. and Beth playing on the right <laughs> side and I was like, Oh, I hear it. Yeah. I hear no, it now. Yeah,
0: I, it was that was kind of where my brain was at listening to this. And it was I, it all all were good things.
1: Well, they while they knew each other and whatever, um Chris Bell and Alex Chilton brought uh songs from previous to this project into the project to use for this project um chris brought feel my life is right and try again which he previously recorded with rock city and alex chilton brought the ballad of el gudo in the street 13 and watch the sunrise and i i don't want to be unfriendly here but that does kind of lean one direction and um It is what it is. Mm -hmm. They're both great, man. I mean, I'm not going to say that Phil Collins is better than Mike Rutherford. Mm. You're not going to make me. Mm. Um, This album was re-released through Stax Records in 2014 with liner notes from Mike Mills of R.E.M. Oh, that's pretty cool. That is pretty stinking cool that Mike Mills... This is a very influential album. Oh, man. So many artists... This changed everything for a lot of people that didn't realize that things could be done in this way. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that I found one rock critic who really just... I, I can't say it better. So William Ruhlman said... The problem with coming in late on an artwork lauded as influential is that you've probably encountered the work it influenced first, Mm. so its truly innovative qualities are lost. Thus, if you are hearing Big Star's debut album for the first time decades after its release, as inevitably most people must, you may be reminded of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers or R.E.M., who came after That is, if you don't think of The Birds and the Beatles circa 1965. What was remarkable remarkable about number one record in 1972 was that nobody except Big Star and maybe Badfinger and the Raspberries wanted to sound like this. Simple, light pop with sweet harmonies and jangly guitars.
0: That's about as best as you can say it, right there.
1: That's what they're doing here. Yeah, and I like the I like the jab at Badfinger and the raspberries <laughs> too. Nice. Carmen, I see you over there. Yeah,
0: that's nice. Awesome. well definitely check this one out and keep it in mind of how influential this is on a lot of artists, specifically Tom Petty. And yeah, this is this is this is a good one. This is a very good one, and I love the title "Number One Record." Didn't come close to with number one, but it was their first record, so I get it.
1: It's not a lot.
0: Anyways, uh, today uh, album for the day, uh, December eleventh, is number one record by Big Star. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Album The Number Four The Day. Uh, give us a follow, subscribe wherever you listen to us, and if you have any requests, feel free to email us at Album The Number Four The Day at gmail.com. Uh, Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.
1: We're all all right! We're all all right! (laughs)